And that's what I decided. I'm going to murder my mother. And I didn't feel that I had to face what I had done ever. He killed 33 times. I'm the king, man. I decide who does what and where they do it at. So next time you see me, and welcome to the mason jar chronicles i'm Corey, and i'm joined again by johnny uh and today we are getting into ed kemper part two so last week or last two weeks we left off with uh him right after he kills his grandparents him getting out of the uh mental institution that he was jailed in and today we're going to be picking up with what really gave him the name the co-ed killer uh and we're going to get into the grisly details of his victims. Uh, we're not too sure of this one, but at some point he moved out of his mother's home and uh, went and got an apartment with a roommate. Uh, so he has a roommate while he's killing these these girls. And he brings some of them back to his apartment like to dismember them and yeah. what, whatnot. So. It's pretty bold. Very pretty bold. bold. He shit. gets pretty bold towards the end of his uh, his uh, killing spree, and we'll see that here in a minute. Uh, right. But Ed, he was uh, – they called him a cop groupie because he fucking loved hanging out with police officers. They hung out at this place called the Jury Room, uh, which I think is a weird name for a cop bar. But they wanted no, that uh, makes sense. It's got to be stupid. He wanted to be a police officer so bad, like that's all he wanted to do. He wanted to be a cop, but they said he was too big because he was huge. He's five nine, two hundred and thirty pounds. Uh, six nine, six nine. That's right. I typed yeah, five six, nine. nine. He's six five nine is average. Yeah, that's normal height. He's a fucking monster. Uh, because he wanted to be a chip. He wanted to be with the motorcycle cop. Like, yeah, I guess that was relevant at the time. Yeah, but he couldn't because he's so fucking huge. <laughs> I mean, How are you they could probably big? get him a custom bike made. <laughs> he's just – no, he didn't even need it. He bought a motorcycle. Uh, but he <laughs> – I don't think you can use your own on the Ford. No, no, no. He just wanted to be part of the crew I guess. But he bought a motorcycle and he wrecked it. So he bought another one and he fucking wrecked that one too. I guess he really was a bumble butt, you know, in every sort of – every manner of the word. <laughs> he was a bumble butt. Right, right. Uh, but since the the last wreck wasn't his fault, he got a settlement. I think it was like fifteen grand. Uh, so he used the settlement to buy his yellow. Which is quite a bit in the sixties. Yeah, that's 70s. quite a bit of money back then. Uh, but he used that to buy his yellow Ford Galaxy, and it really makes you wonder if he hadn't wrecked his motorcycles, would he have not killed those girls, or would he just found another way? Because he started picking up his hitchhikers. Uh, I mean, it's possible, but you I can't mean, people really, that don't reach their goals. You can't really pick up a hitchhiker and also carry a bunch of murder tools in a motorcycle. Also, if you guys oh, just no. heard that, uh, my smoke detector battery is going dead, and it's on my fucking ceiling, and I can't reach it. And the maintenance guy hasn't came to do it yet. So if you hear that beep every once in a while, it's just my smoke detector. I'm fine. If you're six nine, you can reach. If it. I was Ed Kemper, I would reach that shit and take it off myself. But everybody needs a, 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 an Ed Kemper in there. <laughs> but home. he would just be bumping into everything and just breaking everything in my apartment because he's such a bumble butt. So it's just I'd rather just hear the beeping. Right, also, right. he might kill Elsa. Yeah. No. Uh, I think. I mean, before the murders, if he would have reached every goal, because. The problem with a lot of people is they'll set a long-term goal, uh, and, and they're not very good at goal setting to begin with. You got to so set, set small goal. goals if you want to achieve and anything. Yeah, you don't have a you don't have any short-term goals that will get you to that long-term 
so, I mean, he basically, it sounds like he didn't have a backup plan. Like, he just put everything he had into want, wanting to be uh, a police officer. And when that fell through, he, you know, kind of lost his shit in a way. You always got to have a plan B in any situation you're doing. Well, I mean, I never have a plan B, but I'm also... Not a uh, bumblebutt. Emotionally stable enough to where it's not the end of the world when something doesn't work out. Right. Um, so a little quote, he says, quote, at first I picked up girls just to talk to them, just to try to get acquainted with people my own age and try to strike up a friendship, which is, you know, not normal in any sort of way. Uh, he had told investigators that he began, then he began to have sex fantasies about the girls he picked up hitchhiking, but feared he being caught and convicted as a rapist. So convicted as you know what you are. Uh, so he right, says, right. I decided to mix the two and have a situation of rape and murder and no witnesses and no prosecution, which is any rapist's ideal situation, I would say. It sounds like a lot of fucking work. It sounds like a lot of fucking work. Uh, I mean, I, like, I like throwing frisbees, but if there's an obstacle course between me and the discourse. I might give up. I'm probably not going to play. <laughs> I'll probably just go somewhere game. else, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll just set up, you know, I got a basket I'll put in my backyard. <laughs> I'll figure something else out. I'm not going to, this is a lot of work to achieve a sexual fantasy. Right, right. So he picked up a lot of people before he started killing them. He, uh, Which is weird because it's like, what if he would have just well, started, you know, you know I mean, it's so risky. Well, we touched base on it, you know, in part one, but, you know, it. he was never intending on killing anyone. He knew that he had these urges and these thoughts, but... He picked up people initially to give them rides, and then if these thoughts emerged while giving them a ride, he would play with that. Basically playing Russian roulette with people's lives is what you're saying. Right. Well, I mean, and you can tell when we get into the list of victims, uh, there's not really uh, a pattern as far as characteristics in the girls. Just girls, small, petite, and that was about it. Yeah, I mean, it looks – yeah, I mean, they're women. That's about – and they're, you know, between 15 and – you know, into their twenties, but because you don't want to cut off a that, big girl's I mean, head, that's a lot more work looking. than cutting off a petite girl's head. You know, well, I mean, when he's, I'm, I'm assuming when you're thinking about the end result, you know, going in that direction, like why bother? Yeah, why I mean, just take the easy way into you know? picking. But uh, so when he started killing his first, uh, his first victims, uh, his the first two. Again, two people. I mean, of course, you know, following his grandparents, we talked about them in part one, but yeah, the uh, the, the next two victims were simultaneously. But he's huge. And I that, picture him like Shrek, like when he picks up the donkey and he just throws him under his arm and carries right, and him. These I are picture him like that. College girls. So he's a I monster. Mean, he's gigantic. And the thing is, he already has them in, in, in his car. Yeah. So which is hor- and he had a coupe. We didn't mention that he had a coupe. So he had two doors, and then you got to put the seat up to get in the back seat. Right. So if you're in the back seat, you're right. fucking trapped. You're fucked. You got to leave your friend. Yeah. You know, and and most people in that situation are probably going to balls up, and they're not. You know, hopefully and that's how. Well, I mean, and it shows. I mean, because clearly, I mean, this was at, at this time like doors weren't high tech probably had a big fat fucking knob on the door that he had to pull up to unlock it well what he and would he do sometimes from is, the other side of the car because he was so big and he had the coupe he could reach across the entire vehicle well that's true yeah, so what he would do sometimes like dry runs like a three foot reach yeah but what he would do is he would put a chapstick like in his palm and like reach over to the door and be like something's wrong with your door and he would drop the chapstick behind the handle so they couldn't like open it even if they tried uh, okay. So he's like, you know, he's practicing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and it's yeah. I mean, he talks a lot about how he would just run these scenarios through in his head. 
many, many times before he actually pulled the trigger. Uh, no pun intended, uh, you know, on actually like acting. Yeah, no pun behavior. intended. Yeah, but uh, if you have a chance, like after the episode is over, go watch an interview with Ed Kemper, and you'll see he's so like it's eerie watching it because he's so like distant from everything he did. He just talks like it's like he's telling you about his fucking day. Like he just went to work. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, he's just telling a story. He's just maybe, super relaxed maybe it's about a story it. of someone, someone else. <laughs> yeah, he's just you know really talking. Chill. He's talking like we're talking right now, but about cutting these girls' heads off and fucking their dead right. bodies. Very casual. Yeah, super weird. But to these, watch. yeah. So these first two women, uh, Mary Ann Pesky and Anita Luchessa. Uh, two Fresno State college girls uh, he picked up at Berkeley or in the Berkeley area. Yeah, um, I don't know if it was at the college, but the Berkeley College. I think the last two were on campus, correct? Yeah, and yeah. There's I two that he picks up were, on campus. Yeah. I think these girls were just hitchhiking. Yeah. You know, they might have been leaving campus, but they were on their way out. I think it was – it might have been a holiday or like a long weekend and they were heading out of town. Yeah, they weren't on so campus when he picked them up. they hopped in the car. Yeah. yeah, so he drove them to a secluded area. Killed and raped both women, uh, but he killed Pesky first. He handcuffed her, stabbing and strangling her to death. Uh, and as as he's doing this, he has Luchessa in the trunk of the car. Uh, and he later says he didn't want Luchessa to see what he had done to her friend, and that's why oh, he put so nice of goes, him. When it goes back to you know Grandpa uh, being murdered because he didn't want Grandpa to see Grandma. Dude, I'd rather just see her. Just don't fucking kill me, you know? Like, just, right. just don't kill me. And this is how, uh, just to show you how polite uh, Kemper can <laughs> or be. Or a fucking loser. How much of a yeah, loser so, Kemper is. Right. He uh, he doesn't want, want her friend to see what he's doing, but he specifically discloses, uh, like, when he handcuffed Pesky, he said uh, he brushed uh, her, breast, uh, her breast with the back of his hand. Uh, but once he did that, he felt embarrassed, and he even said something along the lines of, whoops, I'm sorry. No, 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 that was his exact words. Whoops, I'm sorry. What a fucking right, right. loser. What a fucking dork, dude. <laughs> I mean, I, mean I, I dig, you know, the uh, the delay of manners. <laughs> but you're going to murder her. You've already raped yeah, and murdered yeah, this her is friend. Before. Yeah, right, right. It's like, whoops, I'm sorry. Now I'm stabbing you to death, or choking you to death. I mean, it's just... Well, even stabbing. I mean, that's that's pretty brutal. Yeah. But that's what he said. He said stabbing someone wasn't like how they do it in movies. He said when you stab someone, they don't just fall down, which I guess is what he was expecting. (laughs) Uh, Like you stab them and they're just like, whoops, I'm dead, and they fall down. He said they leak quite a bit, which is a weird word to use when you're talking about stabbing someone and they're bleeding to death. This leak is a strange word. Uh... I like it. I like it, but I I think it's a weird way to describe it. Well, Ed, but he, you know, he, he treats humans like, like they're disposable. So like they're as if a it's cup a that you stabbed or, a hole or in. Or a that's <laughs> leaking fuel or oil. So yeah, they leak. I can see how, uh, you know, he, he, he blends the two as far as perception. But that's why he stabs them multiple times because they weren't dying when he stabbed them once. And it, I uh, read too that he stabbed one of them so hard that she flew onto the top of the car or the hood of the car. Like well, I mean, because he's so strong. Pounds at least of force just coming up with you with a blade. <laughs> he fucking picks her up, and she's probably like 110, 120 pounds. Yeah, something you see in a horror film. Yeah, and he's like, he would have been a great person to play, like Jason Voorhees or something, if he wasn't, you know, an actual murderer. 
Or even... Leatherface would have been great, too. Leatherface, or just because big figures. Yeah, Leatherface is great. Michael Myers. Yeah, he's pretty big. You know, and, you know, Kipper was awkward in social situations anyways, so that would have been perfect. He didn't have to fucking talk. Yeah, I mean, he could be Leatherface, and he never has to say a word. Leather, all three of those yeah. people never say a word. I think Leatherface just groaned and made noises, right? Yeah, like when he got cut, when he cut his own leg like an idiot, he like right, right. yelled like a dying dog or something. He's like a higher functioning chunk. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> so, maybe, maybe, maybe chunk was higher functioning. Chunk was at least social and <laughs> Yeah, right. He, oh, man. Leatherface Not was just chunk, a maniac. fucking sloth, man, sloth. Leatherface chunk was just was, a chunk, fucking crazy person. Chunk was the chunky kid. Yeah, the one that did the, uh, the what, what's it called? Oh, the truffle. Yeah, truffle. that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Anyway, just ridiculous. So yeah. So Kipper puts both women in the trunk of his Ford Galaxy, and he goes back to his apartment. On his way to his apartment, he's stopped by a police officer for a broken tail light, but manages. Uh, I guess when he's talking to men, he can be a little more charismatic. But he manages not to be detected for any serious offenses that he's in the middle of fucking. Well, he today. knew how to talk to cops because he hung out with cops all the time. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's that definitely gives him an advantage. Definitely, and he probably knew if it's local. He, there's a good chance he knew of the officer or the officer knew of him. Yeah. So there's just has to be like a couple minutes of small talk and you're on your way. But um, so, yeah, his roommate isn't home. So that's uh, that's convenient. He takes the bodies into the apartment and he takes pornographic photographs of them. He then uh, has intercourse with them uh, and then dismembers them. Following that, and then he puts the body parts in a plastic bag, which he later abandoned near Loma Prieta Mountain, mm-hmm. which is a uh, it's a it's a local area. It's it's probably wooded, but it's in Northern California. But it's like one of those places where like you go up to that mountain and like you're away from everything. Yeah, it's in the Santa Cruz Mountains. He sounds so a lot sure like there's... Jeffrey Dahmer's like system of when he would bring someone after he would kill someone you know except he would eat them well i mean it makes sense you know uh as far as that quick thinking of what have i done now i have to hide it well i mean the photographs the having sex with the corpse the well you know, dismembering yeah, them you know but Ed, you know jeffrey Dahmer ate them right right well uh Weren't there claims that Kemper did, but there was no proof? Yeah, he he, he said he like tried it or something. I wouldn't label him as a cannibal because he's not. You know, that's not the majority he's, of what he did. No, yeah, he gave it a try. It's not for him. Yeah, I mean, okay, he likes to try new things. I mean, if you tried a cigarette, I wouldn't call you a smoker. Like it. Absolutely no. It's uh, <laughs> so. I mean, you got the dead body in front of you. The roommate's out. You know, you're kind of hungry. Why not give it a shot? You know. Right, you've just, done everything else. Just cut off a chunk, throw it on the stove. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. Yeah, call it a day. So before disposing of Pesky and Luchessa, uh, well, before getting rid of their heads, which he ended up dumping in a ravine, uh, he engaged in more face-fucking with both of them. Yeah, irumatio. Uh, just a nice way of saying right. he face-fucked him. Yeah, fancy word. Uh, in August, Pesky's skull was found up on Loma Prieta Mountain where he had dumped dumped them. Come on, man. you got to uh, hide it better than that. Well, you know, they, they say that sometimes it's a, uh, a thrill to 
to actually like leave a trail or clues. I mean, and as we get into his mother in a little bit, uh, you know, he ends up basically turning himself in that way because of, yeah, you know, it's pretty funny. Is. We'll get to it, but it's pretty funny when he turns himself. Yeah. In. So, uh, an extensive search failed to turn up the rest of her remains, uh, or a trace of her com- companion. So they didn't even find Lucessa. They found Pesky's skull and that was about it. Dang, that's rough for the for the for the parents, you know, like your kid's body and you never find it. That's got to be scary. Right, that's I mean, rough. I can't imagine to uh, even begin to relate to that kind of situation. But I'd almost want my remains to not be found at all than just pieces. Scattered yeah, if I was cut up into a bunch of pieces, I'd rather not be found. Right. Um, so on the evening of September fourteenth, uh, not too much longer after they found Pesky's skull. Uh, 1972, Kemper picked up a 15-year-old Korean dance student, Aiko Koo. I think I'm pronouncing that right. That's what it looks like. Aiko is correct. Koo is correct. I dated a girl named Aiko. Nice. Um, and she was Japanese. She might have had a hint of Korean if if Aiko is a Korean name or if it's just Koo. Maybe Koo Korean. is the Korean part. Aiko might just be an Asian name. Perhaps. I don't know. I'm not sure. Anyway, uh, she decided to hitchhike to a dance class after missing the bus. I think she was a ballerina? Sounds about right. I believe so. So he kills a he kills this fifteen year old girl. Does that technically would you put him in the category of like a pedophile? Because she's underage. She's fifteen. Well, he did rape her. She's a minor. Yes, but I wouldn't put it on his like resume. You know what I mean? Because like he only did it this one time. The rest of the girls, I believe, were of age. <laughs> I think it only takes one time. That's dude. true. That sounded bad the way I said that. No, yeah, it does take it's, one it's, time. It's like meth. Yeah, not even once, one, bro. Not even once you do meth, you're kind of a meth head. Well, yeah, just there's no reason to do it at all. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you smoke meth once, I would still say at one point you were a meth head. If you smoke meth now, you are an idiot. So I don't want to be your opinion. friend. Right, uh, right. Just smoke weed. It's, pro- it's you know it's better than meth. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. I'm not quite sure, a, but that's what I've, I've heard. heard. In a few books. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that. Uh, so he again drove to a remote area, uh, pulling a gun on Koo before accidentally locking himself out of the car. Now we're not here to make fun of these victims. But this is fucking gold. This is not why we do the podcast. We do it to give you guys the information. It's interesting information. Uh, and a lot of times we make fun of the killers because they're big, dumb idiots most of the time. But this moment now is – it's hard not to want to like kind of you know, be like, what the fuck were you thinking? So It's, it's absolutely – it's an opportunity squandered. that she had <laughs> where her, her murderer just – he is a bumblebutt. <laughs> He's a fucking he idiot. Fucked up. He fucked up. She, I mean, this was, this was her chance. This was her one opportunity. Her only opportunity to survive. So he locks himself out of the away. car, and she let him back in the car. Um. So he Insane. he he gained her trust while holding her at gunpoint. How I would not trust anyone pointing a gun at me. I would no, think they're going mean, to shoot me any second. I know we've come a long way as far as building awareness for the youth uh, as far as, you know, dangerous situations. Stranger danger, things like that. This is the the 70s. 
And I know Kindergarten Cop came out two, 20 years after this had happened, so no one knew about stranger danger as a coined phrase. But I think it's pretty well known that if someone's pointing a gun at you, you don't trust that person. Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure that mom and dad or, you know, whoever raised you at some point told you not to talk to strangers. And told and you. you are <laughs> sitting in a stranger's trunk. No, 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 the car. She's in the front of the car. She's well, she, in the cab still, of the car. she's in the car and he, she's already aware of what he's going to do. And she's like, whoa, let me let you back in. Fuck that. I would have drove around and ran him over and then I would have. Yeah, she had the keys, man. But she's she 15. She's terrified. She's got to be scared. Maybe she thinks I if understand. I let him back in, maybe he I, won't kill me. But right, and she I was absolutely wrong. cannot sit here and, and say that she should have done this and whatever. Because but we weren't there. I've never been in a situation like this. But I'd like to think that I would not let him back in the car. Yeah, I mean, I was a I was a dumb, dumb fifteen year old, but fuck, dude. But I'm not letting my killer back into the car with me. I was you never know, like I that. had. I was probably around fifteen, sixteen years old, and I had a female friend in high school, and she would openly, uh, just casually talk about whatever hitchhiker she picked up, and she was a cute girl, beautiful girl. That's cr- that's crazy. And that's this girl insanely would, dangerous. Yeah, I mean. She would just see a strange guy or girl. It was usually a guy that uh, was looking for a ride home, and uh, she'd stop and pick him up. No. And there were a couple of times where it was at least two, maybe 300 yards from the county jail where we lived. So you know that there was a good chance that they just got out of jail jail and needing a ride somewhere, which is fine. I'm not saying that everyone getting out of jail is. Uh, a sexual predator or a But or I mean a there's a you know there's a stigma behind it. But there's, there's usually <laughs> signs that say don't pick up hitchhikers because they're the probably odds. escapees. The the odds of just getting just totally fucked are so much greater when you put yourself in that situation. Yeah. So why well, don't take to, the chance, you know? Right. I had to talk to her on a couple of occasions at least. I'm like really dude like you what are you You're doing? You're being a dumb like, idiot I, right now, and you got. Why stop. do I have to tell you what people are capable of? Yeah, but you she, know, so she lets him back into the car, uh, and then you know you? maybe she thought he was not going to kill her, but he proceeded to choke her unconscious, uh, rape yeah, her, maybe if she and was nice. kill her. But not nice to where he wouldn't want to do that because he killed her, ra- or raped her, then killed her. Uh, and then packed her in the trunk of his car like he did the other ones. And then he went to a bar and had a few drinks. I don't know if it was the the, the jury room where they – like the cop bar or not, but – There's a good chance. Probably was. But he went to the bar and then when he was leaving the bar, he opened his trunk and, quote, admiring his catch like a fisherman and return, then returned to his apartment. What the f- – oh my god. I'm telling you, this guy is uh, – He's I mean, got he a few screws loose. He's a very brave you know? individual. But. Yeah, because anybody could have walked by at that moment when he has the trunk open and, oh, look, a dead 15 year old Korean girl. That's a cause yeah. for alarm, you know? So back at his apartment, he had sex with the corpse before dismemberment and then disposal disposed of her remains in a similar manner as the previous two victims. Uh, Aiko's mother called the police to report the disappearance of her daughter and put up hundreds of flyers asking for information to her whereabouts, but did not receive any response regarding her daughter's location or status. That's horrible. Can you imagine feeling that way? A fifteen, your fifteen-year-old daughter. I just can't fathom what that would feel like. And I have a baby on the way. You know, I couldn't imagine how that would feel. 
Well, I mean, I don't have any children on the way, but it's got to be heartbreaking. I imagine it is not a great feeling. Especially if you, I mean, you're the kind of parent that goes out and puts hundreds and hundreds of flyers out trying to find your baby, you know? With no response. I mean, and I just can't imagine, dude. Yeah. So, moving forward. (coughs) We had a little bit of a break here. Yeah, on January 7th, 1973, uh, Kemper, who had now moved back in with his mom, uh, was driving around the Cabrillo College campus when he picked up 18-year-old Cynthia. She was a student. Cynthia and Cindy, for short, uh, Shawl or Scal. At least he's back to, you know, legally yeah, aged so, people so, now. And, this is, and he ends up on Cabrillo College because this is when his mother worked at. Oh, right? yeah, his mom worked at she the college. She was doing clerical work yeah. there or some kind of um, assistant work, whatever. Which is sometime. weird because, like, it said – it said that everybody at the college liked his mom, but like his mom was a total bitch to him. Well, yeah, I mean that's people. People are like that all the time. Man. You know, you got your home life and you and got your work a, life. It's a place of, and yeah, I mean maybe she loved being at work more than she loved being at home. <laughs> maybe she loved being at work more than she loved her son. Well, I mean that's if she was liked at work and she was a bitch to her son. There's a good chance that she did enjoy being at work. I think she hated her rather son than being also. a mother. Yeah, but yeah, so. He drove uh, – once he picked up 18-year-old uh, Cynthia, he drove to a sequestered wooded area and fatally shot her with a twenty two that he had, twenty two pistol. He then placed her body in the trunk of his car and drove to his mom's house where he <laughs> kept her body hidden in a closet in his room overnight. <laughs> Dude, I just can't so, imagine I mean, think that. he's not getting – like when he's not just – He's so brave, and then it just he steps it up every fucking time. He does, he, it's that's what we see in so many serial killers. Is like they give themselves these little allowances, or like they do this, and they push it a little bit further, and they push, and then they end up getting caught, and that's you know that's how they get caught. But I think honestly, if Kemper hadn't turned himself in with his like connection with the police, like being friends with all the police officers and everything, I don't think he ever would have gotten caught. Honestly. No. I mean, I, well, maybe... It would have at least been a long who's, time later. Who's to say after his mom there would have been a connection just because... Of him, yeah. I think that, is, mi- that might have got him. Right. Well, what's crazy is once he was released from psychiatric care, uh, he had to go through some steps or he stayed uh, under the radar, uh, appearing to be clinically sane for long enough to where his... Uh, his charges were completely expunged. Yeah, his record was cleaned, but they so, didn't—they just blacked it out, like with a marker. They didn't like. Right. So I mean, I don't you know. know if that means that once, let's say that he didn't call and turn himself in, and he was elsewhere, and his mother's body is found, uh, or what's left of it, <laughs> and I mean, are they gonna? How soon can they put the the connect the dots? So, we'll get we'll because, get to it. We'll get to like you know we'll get to our you know how we think it goes. Right. We'll get to that when we talk about. So. Know. So anyway, so he yeah he keeps his body in his closet overnight, and the next morning his mom leaves for work, and uh, he then has sex with and even removes the bullet from, uh, <laughs> Cynthia's corpse. Before dismembering and decapitating, like they're never gonna catch me now. There's no bullet. What the fuck, dude? Right. I mean, well, I mean, shit. Who's to say he wasn't right thinking that way? But (laughs) he did know about yeah. So 
Yeah, he ended up dismembering and decapitating uh, the body in his mom's bathtub. I wonder if he. You think he was like? I feel like he just got off on that, like doing it in the in his mom's bathtub. Yeah, maybe having a cold one during. You know, maybe I don't know. Some rubber gloves on. You know, some good tunes maybe playing. Some Leonard Skinner in the back. Yeah, just starts headbanging the head too. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was, sorry, that was bad. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Uh, anyway, okay, kept, let's move on. So yeah, yeah, moving on from that. He kept the severed head for several days. So that might have been what he was doing. He was just rocking out with this uh, decapitated he was, head. Yeah, well, he was rocking out with it. <laughs> with his cock out, literally. Uh, he was <laughs> regularly it. engaging in uh, face fucking. Yeah, just say face fucking, dude. There's no, yeah, there's no so, way around it. Anyway, after he did this for a few days, he ended up burying the head. And this is important to know garden. how he buried it, too. Yeah, yeah. So he buries this uh, head in in his mother's garden, but the way he placed it, he placed the face uh, facing upward toward his mother's bedroom window. Like looking up at her window. Right. And he, <laughs> later, he later said that this was because... She always wanted people to look up to her. Now, that's a quote from him. He said that. A quote, always right, wanted people right. to look up. It's kind yeah, of funny. So then it's it's poetic. <laughs> In a way. Just, yeah, his execution is a, a little bit. Yeah. yeah, so then he discarded the rest of her remains by throwing them off of a cliff. <laughs> so uh, I don't know what cliff this is, but... Over the course of the following few weeks, uh, all but her head and right hand were discovered and pieced together like a uh, jigsaw puzzle, basically. And uh, police and a pathologist determined that she had been hacked to death, then cut into pieces with a power saw. Fuck. Yeah. So it's pretty a rough fucking way to brutal. Go. Brutal, man. And it do, I mean, it just shows that Ed Kemper, he's revving up you know what I mean like he's getting braver he's doing it more brutally oh, now yeah. and he's burying it's, the head by his mom's window he's it's like intensifying hardcore hardcore I think it shows that he is like he's going towards his mom you know what I mean like he buried the head looking up at her he's killing all these girls that his mom would say would never like him and everything because right. he was a fucking weirdo and he's a giant and all that so you it sees you see him pointing towards his mom and then we'll see where that gets to uh, in a minute but on February 5th 1973 uh, not a big gap between these here about a month in between uh, he's past his cooling off period I would say I think his cooling off period was between his first and second uh, well his first two and his third victim was his cooling off period but on February 5th 1973 after a heated argument with his mother uh, Kemper left his house in search for possible victims which shows that his mom has so much to do with it you know what I mean? Like, right. she is the fuel to his fire. And he knows this. He's very well aware of this by now. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, it's like in our intro, he says, and that's when I decided I was going to murder my mother. He knows he was going to kill his mom. And there's a quote I'm going to tell you guys at the end when we get to it that really tells you, you know, this that was his plan all along. Right. Now, as far as each kill being spontaneous, his behavior... He's killing around his mother. ...was... Was premeditated, right? For sure. So, with heightened suspicion of a serial killer preying on hitchhikers in Santa Cruz, students were advised to only get into cars with university stickers on them. But his mom worked at the university, and he would pick her up from right. work. So he had the sticker uh, on his vehicle. So this little sticker gave him 
all this opportunity to get these girls. So he encountered 23-year-old Rosalinda Heather Thorpe and 20-year-old Alice Helen. Allison for short or for long. I don't know. Allison Liu. Lee? Liu? Liu. We'll go with Liu. So on the So is this this is the campus that mother worked at? US not, UCSC. Not Cabrillo College. No no no. This is the one she this worked at. This was just at. a random college campus that he was cruising I, across. Yeah, I mean he was the co ed killer. Alright. So well, yeah, I mean I guess you gotta you gotta do something enough to get a nickname like that. So so, yeah, back to yeah. UCSC. So according to Kemper, Thorpe entered his car first, which reassured Lou to and also get in the car. Now remember, he has a coupe, so she has to like lean the seat up to let her in the back seat. So she's trapped right. completely. The girl in the back is stuck. She's fucked, you know. Uh, but then he fatally shot Thorpe and Lou with a twenty-two caliber pistol and then wrapped their bodies in blankets. And if I'm not mistaken, he did this while on campus still. Uh, yeah, I think uh, I read that, but I can't. But I, I don't see how sure. they didn't hear the gun. Well, I mean, a twenty-two caliber is not—it's not as loud as you would think. It's a pea shooter, and who knows? I mean, he had—he might have had something silencing it, or it's enough to kill you, but it's not—you know—it's not a three fifty-seven. Yeah, close range. Yeah, close range. It's gonna—it's gonna do some damage. Yeah, but it's not gonna blow a hole in you or anything like that. Just don't shoot anyone with a twenty-two, though. Either way, Ruth, don't point guns. Don't at shoot anyone with anything. <laughs> not even a slingshot. <laughs> yeah. Don't shoot anyone. We don't condone no. that behavior. Uh, but again, Kemper brought the victims to his mother's house, um, this time beheading them in his car and carrying a headless corpse into his mother's house to have sex with it. Uh, he mm. then dismembered the bodies, removed the bullets to prevent identification because he's such a fucking genius, uh, and the next morning discarded the remains. The remains were found at Eden Canyon a week, uh, a week after the murders, and more were found near Highway 1 in March. Uh, mm. I think... I don't know if this was the kill, but there was a kill where he killed the girl. He has her head in a in a like bowling ball bag or some kind of bag, and he goes right. to a like therapy appointment, and he brings the bag with him, and he has this yeah, head yeah, in yeah, the yeah, bag. Yeah. It wasn't this kill. I don't remember which kill it was, but he goes, and then the doctor, like her report from that time says that he's like, okay, he's not a danger to anyone or himself, and it's like – Mm, but he was. He had a severed head in his fucking possession when you told him that. Right. So it just goes to show, don't trust psychiatrists. Or any doctor, I, I, for that matter. Well, I mean, I... Don't trust him. To my knowledge, I don't have any reason to see a psychologist. Right. But there might be a few people that would disagree with that. I, <laughs> I lived with you for a while, and, you know, I would say that you probably don't. Okay. I mean, I can be a little... Yeah. Uh, we're not gonna get into strong it. And anal we're not gonna get into it because <laughs> <laughs> this will make this episode like four hours long. Good times. Uh, but when later interviewed as to why he removed his victim's head before having sex with the body, he explained that head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. I don't know what that means. Head trip fantasies. Does that mean fucking the head? Maybe just the thought of carrying a head well he said you know the head is where everything is at the brain eyes mouth that's the person i remember being told as a kid you cut off the head and the body dies the body is nothing after the head is cut off well that's well that's not quite true there's a lot left in the girl's body without the head fuck right only ed kemper can say that maybe doing it he's you know basically creating that memory so that he can look back on it from time to time at long after he disposes of the body Maybe. I don't know. I mean, he's saying like, 
that there's more there's plenty left when you cut off her head but that's you know a psychopath talking so i wouldn't take that you know i wouldn't take that at face value now i would say this next one is probably the most brutal kill because of the the brutality of it for one and two it's a son killing his mother which is something that should never right, ever happen right. i mean so you shouldn't kill is, anyone uh, right this is murder number nine uh for anyone who's keeping count so nine on and april ten. right on april april 20th 1973 while waiting for his mother uh to return home he uh from a party she has a better life than he does she's going to parties yeah, yeah. and he's no, fucking he's sitting out. at home waiting for his mom yeah he's out and i believe she she ended up getting home at like 4 a.m yeah she got home super late right so clarnell comes home late from a party uh and kemper fell asleep he i guess he fell asleep waiting on her but it was uh, he woke up when she showed up mm-hmm. uh and while Sitting in bed reading a book, she noticed Kemper enter the room, uh, and she she then said – What any loving mother to... would say. Right, right. She then says, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. But in a, <laughs> a, a, a – Yeah, a demeaning, condescending type of way, yeah. I'm sure. So Kemper then replied, no, good night. Nope, good night. <laughs> Not anymore. And then – and then returns to his room. Well, he sits there for about an hour uh, before returning back to her room, uh, being being pretty sure that he's, she's asleep by now. And um, it says, basically, she he he had a hammer, and he brought the claw of the hammer down on her temple. Just beat the fuck out uh, of her head with it. Just. I mean, it had to have been the scene. Oh, had just to have been unreal. This like, is just this. This, this was is not his whole clean... life of anger coming down on her with this hammer, though. So, oh, yeah. you know, he beat the fuck out of her head with it, and then to oh, top it yeah. off, he slit her throat too, as if it was oh, necessary. Slit her throat. Yeah. Then he cut her head off. Then he fucked her face, which. <laughs> I mean, is wrong, and not only is he fucking the face, the but he's fucking you know his I mean? mom's face. I mean, it's, it's just, bad enough yeah. that you're a piece of shit in society, <laughs> uh, but your mom, you're bro. fucking your mom's head, dude. Like, like I know she sucked. I know she sucked, but, but I would never. I mean, even a psychopath has has a line. You should, but apparently, Ed Kemper is. He drew the line, and then he crossed it. So yeah, so then he, you know, he he carries on with this, and then he uses her head as a dartboard. Which is kind uh, of then, funny. It's a little funny, right? And then at one point he places her head like on a uh, on a mantle or a shelf, <laughs> and, and then he starts to fucking scream. Do you at think he just screamed, or you think he said stuff, or you think oh, he was I just like was... yelling, just like ah, screaming at it? It might have started out just screaming, uh, no words. <laughs> I just, just picture him like hunched over. I picture him hunched just over with anger, his arms behind pain. him. <laughs> Sadness, just all of this emotion, just finally just letting loose, and then probably, I don't know, twenty minutes after that, he probably started uh, producing full sentences and yelling yeah. at her because he did it for about, over about an hour. Thing that she had probably put him through, and then the last twenty minutes of it was probably him just yelling and crying. Yeah. Because, you know, as we talked about it before, you know, when he's talking about these other murders in, in interviews, he's 
he doesn't have any emotion. But he but does. He does shed a tear when, when he's he talking talks about, his, about mom. his mom. Yeah, he cries and he gets he gets pretty emotional when he talks about it's it. Like it's, it's a little late now, dude. Still, you fucked her face. Well, yeah, but it's still painful, which is you know the whole point. I feel no sympathy for him. I can tell you that. Well, no, it's hard to feel sorry for him, but at the same time, you also have to be devil's advocate and look at you know the factors that led to this shit show. Right, but I mean, I don't think there's very many excuses for cutting off your mom's head and fucking her mouth. Right. Well, so it was also <laughs> reported, allegedly, so ultimately smashed her face in with his fucking hammer or foot, whatever the fuck. But it could have been just the darts over... Uh, I can't imagine a, with a claw a hammer there was much left of her of face, cricket. though. You know? Right. Well... He, well, that was the side of the face, too, but still, man, it's, it's going to do some damage. But a hammer just bashing and bashing. Yeah. I feel like it would just be like hamburger meat after that. Right. And then there's not much left, but uh, supposedly he, he cuts her tongue out. This is poetic. This is poetic. <laughs> right. Puts both them shits in the garbage disposal. Her larynx is her vocal cords for anyone that doesn't know what a larynx is. Right, so drops that in the old garbage disposal, turns that <laughs> son of a bitch on. This is so funny, dude. Yeah. So he starts grinding so, them up. He's, he's turning it on, <laughs> and they're grinding up, but they keep shooting out back at him and hitting him right, in the it face. Right, flying up, just hitting him in the fucking face. <laughs> Which is appropriate. He said that seemed appropriate. That seemed appropriate. It was a direct <laughs> quote from Kipper. God. The guy has a sense of fucking humor. And it's sure. so bad that I think he's funny. That sucks, man. Yeah, that fucking sucks. But it's funny that that vocal cords were just shooting out. Usually are man. So Kimper later says, as much as she bitch and screamed and yelled at me over like so many years, uh, it just seemed appropriate. Yeah. So uh, he then had sex with the mother's corpse, hid it in a closet, and went out to drink. And I'm guessing it was at this cop bar. Yeah, uh, I mean, I imagine he showered and stuff because he had to be covered in fucking blood. If you bash uh, somebody's yeah. head in with a hammer, you're gonna Absolutely. be covered in blood. Even if it wasn't a cop bar, you're gonna raise some some, some suspicions, you know, when you walk into this this spot. But he, uh, a lot of the reasons I think, you know, one of the reasons I think it was probably the cop bar every time it says that he was going out and having a drink is because he he wanted to see if people were talking about it. Or yeah, he would the, sit with the cops you know, and try to listen in, you know, and see, you yeah, know, what I mean, traps was, they're setting was, and stuff. He it, thought he was a little was, fucking part of the genius. Act. Yeah, well, you know, a couple guys I mentioned the other day, uh, Eric Williams, you know, small town story, but same guy, same, same t- t- uh, mentality. He just horrific, but he thought he was smarter than the law. Or, but you're not, you know. dude. Like there's so many, you're not. Yeah, and I want to talk about him later for sure. Yeah, we will get into that. Yeah, so anyway, he uh, goes out for a drink, and then when he gets back, he he invites his uh, one of his mom's friends over, who's uh, 59-year-old Sarah Taylor Hallett. Uh, invites her over to the house for dinner and a movie, which, which I guess is strange. That type of relationship. <laughs> which is strange uh, to yeah, do. I don't I want mean, to hang out with any of my not, friends. Yeah, I, th- I find it kind of odd. But uh, so when she showed up, uh, he strangled her to death, decapitated her, and spent the night with her. Uh, basically, just stayed the night with her body. Just kind of slept together after. It's <laughs> so weird, dude. That's so fucking weird. Yeah. So then he stuffed her body in a closet, obscured any outward signs of a disturbance, and left a note to the police. Hold on, I want to read this. I want to read this one. All right, go. So for this it. is the note. 
approximately 5.15 a.m. Saturday. No need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible, quote, murderous butcher. It was quick, asleep, the way I wanted it. Not sloppy and incomplete, gents. Just a, quote, lack of time. I got things to do with three exclamation marks. <laughs> he's so fucking busy. I got things to do. I got like things to do. He's off to He's off to start his new life. He's off to start his career. I don't know. Now I can, now I can start living. <laughs> that bitch is gone. No, uh, what was it? He basically, when it was quick bullshit. The dude used a claw hammer. He, well, I mean, she probably died instantly, or at least after the I don't second know, hit. Man. Her temple. I was thinking about that. No, it's yeah, it doesn't matter. You're sound asleep. I don't think you. Well, after she got I hit, imagine, she wasn't anymore. I'm pretty I mean, sure maybe she you're woke brain up. dead instantly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess if it's brain damage, it, it could be. I just imagine everything still has to travel around as far as your brain being like, "Oh shit, you're dead now." <laughs> yeah, so yeah, basically, it's telling everything shut the fuck down. So, but what's weird is he says not sloppy. There's no way it wasn't sloppy. You bashed your head in with a claw hammer right. and cut her vocal cords out. Like you've been sloppy this whole time. Yeah. No, there's no way that there was not a compound fucking fracture. <laughs> so, you know, after like, taking a hammer to a face. Oh, uh, I just don't ever want to get hit in the face with a hammer. Or yeah. anything, really. Well, you know. So Kimber left the scene. Uh, I got things to do, you know. I can't be getting hit in the face <laughs> with hammers. I got things to do. I got things to do. So he left the scene in Hallett's car, uh, driving eastward, leaving California and through Nevada and Utah. He arrived in Pueblo, Colorado, and he was expecting like them to go to his house and – fucking find the bodies and be like oh it's Kemper and like a car chase and all this shit but it's like no one gave a shit about Clarnell and her friend dying you know no one was worried about him nobody went looking for him so he's like he didn't hear anything on the radio so he's like what the fuck like I think he wanted the attention a, a little bit yeah, which is odd that like he just wanted instant gra- gratification in that department because this is this is a time before the internet like nowadays I'd be pissed off if I could drive two hours uh, you know, and not and be you know wanted. Someone not notice. You know, social media, whatnot. But this is a time where you know phones were like people a, still like read the newspaper, spaceship shits. Yeah, so you can't drive two states and get pissed off because no one's talking about. No what one you would just even know. Clar- no, no one would know Clarnell was dead until the next morning. Be like, oh, look at that, Clarnell died last night on in the newspaper. You know, like this isn't right, like right. anything like today. So it's weird that he he wanted that so fast. Yeah, but there was no car chase, nothing. No one even thought he did it. So he finds a phone booth. This again, this is a different time. Finds a phone booth and called the police and confessed to the uh, murders of his mother and Hallett. And he was like, I'm the co-ed killer. Like, I've been killing all these girls. And the cops were like, "Mm, uh, I don't think so. Maybe just call back. They literally told him to call back. (laughs) They didn't believe – so he called again. And and he asked to speak to an officer that he knew, like that he knew personally because he hung out at the cop bar. And then he again confessed to killing his mother and then waited in his car for the police to arrive, arrest him, and take him – into custody where he also confessed to the murder of the six students I guess again because I know in the phone call he's like I'm the co-ed killer like I did this and they're like no you're not just hang no it's not you Kemper we know it's this not you you're a fucking kid. you're a bumble butt it wasn't you right <laughs> you can't <laughs> even drive a motorcycle it wasn't no. you <laughs> <laughs> so 
Uh, so when he a- he when he asked after his arrest what motive they asked him what motivated him to turn himself in he said the original purpose was gone I wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose it was just a pure waste of time emotionally I couldn't handle it much longer toward the end there I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing and at the point of near exhaustion near collapse I just said to hell with it and called it all off like he was in- on a fucking baseball team and was like mm, I don't really want to play anymore. <laughs> you're murdering yeah. people you can't just be like mm, i don't yeah. want to do it anymore it doesn't yeah, work like i'm that. just gonna go home yeah you know what guys i'm not really feeling it like my stomach hurts i'm just gonna i'm just gonna head out you know i'm, right, not, right, I'm probably right. not gonna come back either uh so yeah he he's just called it off at some point i guess uh and then was, me, was that scene in forrest gump when he's like running across the country and <laughs> i don't feel like running says, anymore <laughs> i think i want to go home now <laughs> yeah <laughs> Everybody behind him is pissed the fuck They're out. They're like, dude, we're in Colorado. I'm from now, man? <laughs> we're in Colorado. I'm from New York. Like, what the fuck do I do? <laughs> so, but no, uh, yeah. he said he said he was killing his mother all along. So once he killed his mother, he was just done. Right. I mean, it was just that was the end game. That's what he wanted all along. Maybe next time, sure start there. It. You know, maybe next time, start there, and then all these other innocent people don't have to die. Well, yeah. I think brainstorming and uh, producing outlines of things weren't his strong. No, suit. probably not. He was not a. Uh, he's got things to do, you know. He's got things. He's got to things do. to do. He doesn't have time okay. to be brainstorming and putting out outlines and you know all yeah. this, what have you. Jesus. Yeah. So, all right. After all said and done. Kemper was indicted on eight counts of first-degree murder on May 7, 1973. He was assigned to the chief public defender of Santa Cruz County, Attorney Jim Jackson. Strong name. That's a strong name, Jim Jackson. Jim Jackson. That's man. a strong name. Uh, Jim Jackson uh, had also defended John Lindley Frazier and had also been assigned to a Herbert Mullen case. Herbert Mullen was but, another like serial killer at the time. and yeah. Him and Ed Kemper, they were uh, they were in prison together, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, they were saying that Herbert Mullen was mad because he only got like two counts of murder, and Ed Kemper got eight. So right, he thought right. it was like a yeah, competition it was like a contest. Yeah, yeah, and then he used to like just annoy the fuck out of everybody in prison too. <laughs> like they'd be watching TV, and he would just be like singing stupid songs and shit, and just bothering everybody. But, yeah, yeah. But Ed like went in there and like got him in line and was like told him to stop, and then he was like totally fine after that. Well, yeah, I think he used uh, consequence tactics. Like you know, he he really worked with him as far as yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, Herbert Mullen hated water, and so every time he would be acting stupid, Kemper would fucking throw water on him like he's a fucking cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he would just eventually stop being a fucking asshole, I guess. Right, no, it, it, it really nipped it in the butt. <laughs> he just throw water sure. at him. Yeah, so uh, anyway, so Jim Jackson's uh, defending him. But due to Kemper's explicit and detailed confession, his counsel's only option was to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. Which did not stick, by the way. Right. Kemper twice tried to commit suicide in custody, surviving both fucking times. <laughs> well, he can't even he's kill himself, right? He can't he, kill other people. He's not very good at killing himself. What a bumblebutt. I bet if he cut his own head off and fucked it, he would have died. 
Yeah. So, and then his trial went on ahead on October 23rd, 1973. But he was eventually convicted. But yeah, so he was basically convicted uh, and uh, seen as criminally insane, uh, which is why he is in uh, a health facility. Oh, it did stick. In the, in the I thought it Berkeley. didn't stick. Oh, I'm learning stuff from my own podcast. No, no, yeah. And he, uh, yeah, no, definitely, he, he was, that's why he never got, um, of course, he wouldn't get the execution because it's California, but that's why he didn't get life or he's, it's a, it's a hospital. It's a yeah. health hospital that he's in, but he'll, he'll never leave. No, he's going to die there. I uh, want to write him a letter. You know, I feel like he'd write back. He would, and he's he's been very successful since he's been in there. Right, he uh, he did um, a lot of audiobooks while he was in prison. Yeah, yeah, but he also does he does clerical work, which is ironic. <laughs> yeah, because that's <laughs> so, like where he started, you know, and also his yeah, mom. Well, his mom was uh, <laughs> apple so, doesn't yeah. fall far from the from the severed head, you know. The nut doesn't fall far from the nut. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, let's see. He is. He's up there. He's like in his 60s, I believe. Yeah, he was born in 48. We talked about it in part one. Yeah. But he, he's, I think he's 68. Yeah, he's up there. Yeah, yeah, he's 68 right now. So, yeah, he's in this facility, and he helps people uh, with uh, paperwork documents. Uh, he does computer work. Um, of course, he's. I think he's shackled most of the day. I would fucking I hope think- so. I'm surprised that he doesn't break the shackles. He's such a fucking giant. Right. I think he wears if he's not shackled all day the the waistband where you cuff them to like mm-hmm. where yeah. their hands are cuffed. I think he wears that constantly. Right, because just he in case is. They need to subdue him. Yeah, but, but I wonder if he's doing the same kind of clerical work he was doing in uh, a Tescadero because in Tescadero when he was there, he was seeing all these files of all these people that were in there too. So he was like seeing all these raped women and like dead bodies and shit. I wonder if right. he's still like getting that well, type of exposure. Well, well, then he was administering personality tests. I and <laughs> why does everywhere different. he goes, he's like he's in with authority. He just he goes to authority and he like can talk to them so well. Well, I mean, his stature alone. I mean, people look up to that. You don't have Literally. to be smart. I mean, if you, if he just sat there and didn't say anything, uh, no one's. You know, I'd give him a job, <laughs> right? But, just so he wouldn't beat me up. But to to hear him speak, you know, he's articulate. He actually has a really nice sounding voice too. Uh, Right. And he was always exposed to books, whether it was, uh, you know, in a loving way from his mom or just she worked on college campuses and he spent a lot of time on college campuses. So, uh, but he does surprise uh, me that he did do quite a few audio books. I can't remember the exact number. Of uh, like hours that he has, but uh, the only one I could find was uh, "Flowers in the Attic" that he reads. Uh, I don't know who it's by or any of that information. Uh, Is that the full book? No, no, no. It's just a little like forty-five second ah. snippet of it. But actually, right here it says uh, there may be five thousand hours of him reading out there somewhere. Uh, but forty-five seconds of him is terrifying enough for now. Thanks. That's what it says on this this site that I found it on. No, I want to hear all of it. I want to listen to the five thousand hours. Absolutely. He has a nice voice, man. Like even in his interviews, like his voice is just it's 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 bellowy. It's just it's nice. I don't know. It's just well, let's not forget his IQ is one forty five. That's it's like genius level, isn't it? He wasn't a dumb dumb. 
He was a bumble butt, but not a dum dum. He's above average. Aver- average IQ is a hundred. So if you're, you know, re- nearing one fifty, I think that's genius yeah. level. He's technically a genius. If only he would have put his efforts yeah, in a different way. Yeah. But he didn't. Yeah, he, no. you know, he did what he did. He's a co-ed killer. But that's uh, that's Ed Kemper. Ed uh, Kemper. Two episodes. I didn't. I didn't think we would get three out of it. But two episodes is good on Ed Kemper. That's uh. That's probably enough of a severed head face fucking for everyone. I think right, right, definitely right. enough for me because I, uh, yeah, it's bad. It's bad to fuck your mom's mouth when her head is not attached to her body or attached it's, to her it's, body. Hey, it's bad to do that to anyone. Yeah, unless it's know? consensual. Don't fuck anybody's face. You know, just, right. As long as they're into it, you're into it. It's good to go. You know what I mean? But don't, don't forcibly. You know. You guys know. But anyway, right, right, uh, right, right. that's Ed Kemper for this uh, two-part episode. I didn't – we didn't mention it at the beginning, but I hope you guys like the new intro that we had. We felt it was very uh, very appropriate for the holidays coming up. Festive, man. Very it's festive. festive. Uh, and also holidays, weirdly eerie. Merry Christmas, whatever the fuck you say. Weirdly eerie too because it's all these sinister things people that have murdered people are saying. And then it's like this cheery holiday music in the background. But uh, Right, right, right. It's funny, that's for sure. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed the Thanksgiving episode. We're trying to be festive here at uh, the Mason Jar Chronicles. Uh, trying to bring you guys the info that you want and uh, get get the damn spirit. <laughs> yeah, get in the spirit because it's fucking Christmas. I don't really care for the holiday that much. Uh, I like getting shit, which is cool. I like giving people stuff, but I don't really care about Jesus at yeah, all. Yeah, I'm not religious. I'm not religious, but... I love – I mean the holidays, Christmas, call it what you want. It's family time. It's – Good eating uh, too. I, Good food time. I've got to leave Texas to get it, but I like snow. Yeah, man. Like winter is just – it's the bee's knees. I bet you guys out there have pets, at least some of you. If you and your dog or cat enjoy the outdoors, you should head on over to PackLeash.com. They make amazing leashes that are made from climbing rope. And at the end, they have a carabiner that uh, clips onto your cat or dog's leash. Uh, They're really cool. We have one for Chloe, and we plan on getting another one for Astro, too. And you can get 15% off of your order when you use the code JORDAN3 at checkout. So, yeah, uh, Ed Kemper. Ed Kemper, great guy. Not really. Not so much. But uh, if you guys like the show, definitely subscribe to it on iTunes. Download the episodes so we can get paid for doing this shit. Uh, There you go. And that is going to wrap it up for Ed Kemper. And we will catch you guys uh, in the next two weeks. Later, everybody. See ya.